Thanks for listening to the Unlocking Athletes podcast, presented by the EAX Athlete Academy, where we dive into youth sports and everything that comes with it. I'm your host, Nate Woodruff, Athlete Academy Director and General Manager of Evolution Athletics Gym in West End, North Carolina. Today, I'm really excited to have my best friend in the world with me on this podcast. Tyler Crump has been in the fitness industry coaching since 2010, working in multiple gyms in North Carolina as well as Ohio. He is currently the head coach at College Hill CrossFit in Greensboro, North Carolina. I've known Crump since 2005. We were recruited and played college football together. After living on my couch for most of our sophomore year, we became best friends and have been ever since. We were best men in each other's weddings and have shared a lot of similar life experiences along the way. One of those experiences that we share is a passion for coaching people, which is what we're going to talk a lot about today. We dive into some of the issues surrounding the fitness industry from both of our perspectives. His being more of the competitive fitness athletes and mine more on the sports performance side of things, as well as some common ground with coaching the general population of gym goers. I'm extremely proud to call this guy my best friend and very lucky to have him in my life. I hope you enjoy episode eight of Unlocking Athletes. Cool. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, today we have my best friend in the world, Tyler Crump. Uh, Crump and I were in the same college football recruiting class in 2005. We're very old. Um, probably been best friends since, I don't know, 2006, seven, yeah, somewhere in there when you started living on our couch. <laughs> I did. I totally did. <laughs> um, but yeah, we've been through a lot together, um, had a lot of the same struggles and stuff um, going through kind of becoming a adult and what that feels like. And um, so we'll probably talk about some of that stuff today. But we were both the best men or mans at each other's wedding, whatever that man's definitely man's. All right. And um, yeah, both kind of fitness performance coaches now. Uh, Crump works in Greensboro and coaches and does remote programming there for several competitive CrossFit athletes. Um, he started his journey kind of in the coaching realm before I did. Um, started doing CrossFit when right out of college. Uh, you're out of college. But I'd say a year and a half. Yeah. Um, pretty cool journey. Um, I'll let you kind of talk a little bit more about that, but um, kind of how you got into it and then the results and stuff that that you saw from it and that kind of thing. Uh, but finally around about 2013, I think, uh, got me into it and we've both been kind of coaching in some capacity ever since then. Uh, but super proud to call you my best friend, man. Love you. Uh, pumped to have you on here and hopefully the first of many podcasts that we do together. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just kind of introduce yourself a little bit. Um, like I said, kind of talk about your journey and how you got into coaching and um, you know what you're doing now. Okay, cool. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm as little podcast as I listen to. I've always wanted to be on a podcast. So <laughs> you're kind of fulfilling a dream here. So there we go. Um, yeah. So I've been coaching. I think I'm on my either 11th or 12th year of coaching. Um, I got into it because I started doing CrossFit and I got into CrossFit because I I got really heavy into working out after we played football, which by the way, Nate actually stuck out all four years. I only played my freshman year, <laughs> but I got heavy into working out after that. Um, found CrossFit, found my actual, I learned what actual training and nutrition was in that whole thing. Um, ended up losing a significant amount of weight, putting on a significant amount of muscle and all of that. Um, and then I found out that I could, teach other people how to do what I had done essentially. So I started doing CrossFit because I was bored with what I was doing. And I, I coached at a gym for like a year and a half and I was, it was just CrossFit and I, I drank the Kool-Aid like most people do of like, if you're not doing CrossFit, you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. um, but then I, I got a job at another gym and I went through all of OPEX and functional movement screen. And I, I learned a lot at this gym and I, that's, that's where I think being an actual fitness professional started as opposed to just a CrossFit coach um, of learning that CrossFit's good and it is very helpful, but it's not the end-all be-all. Um, there's not everybody wants it. Not everybody needs it. And that's fine. You know, that, and that's where I started to really learn that 
fitness is a very individualized thing. Training, nutrition, sleep, uh, daily life habits, those things are all very important for anybody, but they're all very individualized. So from there, um, that's that was really where I learned how to be an actual coach. And then from there, just really um, putting all of that stuff into practice. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that's I think that's so important. And that's one of the cool things about where I get to work and where I have the opportunity to be is like it is individual. Everything is individual. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I was the same way. Right. When you go through that level one course, man, you are like if you're not doing CrossFit, you are an idiot. Like you are not fit. You are not strong. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like I've never met somebody that just starts doing CrossFit and doesn't think that like even if they come from another yeah. training background and then they buy into CrossFit they're like man those those previous years of my working out were useless it's like <laughs> yeah. no <laughs> yeah yeah I think there's there's value to everything man I, I mean I think that's the biggest thing that I've learned and I guess probably a maturity thing more than anything 100 percent is just taking, and I, I really learned it from like sport coaching, right? Like you go to these different clinics and camps and stuff and you hear, you know, 10 different college coaches or pro coaches talk about the offense that they run or how they run their defense or whatever. And you're just like, man, I can't do that. But I really like this part of it. Yeah. And you just kind of piece stuff together and make it work for you. And I think that's, I think that's a mature maturity thing more than anything. 100%. I mean, it's even something as simple as queuing every yeah. coach ever has cues right and you can have one cue that works for nine people but then you get that 10th person you throw that same cue at them and they just like blankly stare at you right yeah. like you can't just assume that that cue is going to work for everybody and mm -hmm. that's just something as simple as cueing things much less the actual training and nutrition and everything else that comes into things and it is it's very much of a, a maturity thing but i also think that it's also an experience thing yeah. right because like you when you start having people that are doing the same things and one of them starts progressing and the other one's kind of stagnating you're like well what's happening like what am i doing wrong like yeah maybe nothing other than trying to give two people the same thing and they don't need it yeah yeah i think that and that's like you said i think that's an experience thing for sure um you know being able to see where people's weaknesses are flaws are or whatever and trying to Kind of adjust your pro like there's always basic things that you need to do um like you need to go through the different movement patterns and those right. kind of things um but it doesn't like a squat doesn't necessarily have to be a back squat it can be a front squat it can be an overhead squat it can be a safety bar squat it can be a yeah. goblet squat right as long as you're going through the different patterns and you're putting people in those positions then you're, you're doing the right things yeah. it's just doing it what's best for them yeah and and we're going to start being controversial already in this podcast <laughs> not everyone needs to squat below parallel. Oh, I agree know? with that. Well, I'm I'm saying just in like the fitness realm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, of you're like, gonna have some crossfitters commenting that are gonna be angry. Yeah, like oh, you you you're not going through full range of motion. Like no, you are for you. Right. Right. Like <laughs> yeah. my hips don't work the same way as everyone else's hips. That's yeah. okay. Like the yeah. only way I'm, you know, not me specifically, but some people get below parallel is you have to slice them up. And you have to shave off bone. Like yeah. that's the only way you're going to get someone below parallel. And so, and that's, those are the type of things. Cause when I first started CrossFit and coaching, that's what it was. It was like, well, if you're not squatting below parallel, you might as well not even squat. And it's like, no. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And well, I think, I think the problem is the, the sport aspect, right? Like that's the, right. the measuring stick. Like that's the measurable for the squat is getting below parallel. Right. And for the uh, sport, there has to be a standard, right? Totally right. get that. hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, yeah. So kind of in that same vein, let's, let's just kind of go, I wanted to talk through some of the issues that like you and I both see, um, like fitness coaching industry, um, and just maybe try to come up with some solutions, but, Again, for reference, we're we're both in the kind of the performance fitness industry. Um, my side of the house is focused a little bit more on sport athletes, um, and yours is more focused around kind of competitive CrossFit athletes. But we both have overlap with kind of the general population people mm -hmm. as well. Um, so I guess let's just start with kind of the fitness industry as a whole. So I guess big picture, like, do you feel like the fitness industry is kind of heading in the right direction, the wrong direction? Is it progressing? Is it 
stagnant? Like, what do you think? It's hard. I honestly, my honest answer to that is yes and no, because I, I feel like there have become like the, the barrier for entry nowadays to be a air quote coach is if you have a phone and you go to a gym, right. (laughs) And that, you know, there are so many people out there who have thousands of followers simply because they work out and post themselves working out, right? They have no idea how to coach and not just like the sets and reps part of coaching, but the actual like connecting with human beings, meeting somebody where they are, walking with them through a journey part of coaching too, right? And I like that is my biggest pet peeve as a coach now. But on the flip side, I've also seen a very big trend and upswing in people basically combating that and and going look i don't know everything but i want to learn this stuff and and actual becoming professional coaches and not just i feel myself working out therefore i can tell you what you need for your own body right like i had a guy come into the gym uh last week who he goes to uncg and he's studying exercise science and he he needs an internship so he came to us because we're literally down the street from him and he came and I was like, what made you want to do this? Like, what made you want to focus in on exercise science? And he was like, um, I started working out. I started filming myself. I started posting those films or videos and people started messaging me and asking me questions and I didn't know the answer and I wanted to know the answer. And it was like, this is awesome. Like, awesome. Like there are still people out there that understand that just because you can do something doesn't mean you can teach other people how to do it. And that you need to learn these things. And so I to answer your question, I see both sides. I, I think, yes, there's a massive failure in fitness with people that just think that they, because they look a certain way or they have a certain amount of followers, they can tell other people what they need to do to reach their fitness goals. But on the flip side, I also see a very big upswing in people going, no, I need to learn this and I need to make... I need to be better at this so that I can actually help people. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, I think it's, I think it's a cultural thing at this point, but like in, in a positive sense, it's so easy to get good information now, like so much easier to get good information right now than it's ever been, Mm -hmm. but it's also easier to get really bad information as well. Right. Like, like you said, I mean, there's so many people out there posting stuff that is just absolute garbage, um, which we send to each other frequently. Uh, (laughs) We do. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I mean, like, and on the strength coach side, on the performance side, for me, like what I run into a lot is you'll have kids come in and be like, oh, well, I saw this video of this athlete doing this and LeBron James was doing this and Derrick Henry was doing this. And it's like, right because that's LeBron James and that's Derrick Henry. Exactly. Right. Like what, wouldn't it be more applicable to think, Hey, what was Derrick Henry doing when he was 14? Like you are right. Not when he's a NFL running back and a freak show. Like he's an alien. Um, yeah, I think there's, there definitely is a a lot of positives. The positives probably outweigh the negatives. I would think, Mm -hmm. um, with the, the ability to get, information and good information um yeah i had never thought about like what you said where you've got people that are i guess more interested in it now that are asking questions and it's causing people to i think it also probably causes people to own their stuff too oh yeah questions from people about what you're posting like you need to know the answer right if you're legit and trying to be a fitness coach you better have good answers yeah um so it's It's funny you say that because Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Very good. Go ahead. Um, the, so the reason this guy heard about us is because one of his professors is a member at our gym. And I was talking to her about him coming in and telling me what he said. And she said the exact same thing of like she tried to fake it through an answer one time to her class. And they completely shredded her on it. And she was like, I can never do that again. And that's the thing is like it takes one time. For you to say something that isn't true, people find out that what you said isn't true, and yep. nobody will believe anything you ever say ever again. Fact. So if you actually want to make a career out of this, 
either you need to be the world's greatest liar and hope that nobody ever picks up on it or just know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. It requires you to own, own your craft for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of the other things you mentioned was just like the, the barrier of entry, the cost of entry. Um, Cause I, I think, in, and you and I've had hundreds of conversations about this, but I mean, I think when you kind of start your own thing and you start to figure out what you really want to focus on your next, task is like, how do I, how do I do this the most efficient way or the most effective way possible? Um, and a lot of that is if you can get your own facility, get your yeah. own business going. Um, and that's so hard, right? Mm -hmm. Like unless you just have unlimited money or you have some kind of ability to get unlimited money, um, like that barrier to entry is so high. I mean, I was just, yeah. you know, now that I'm kind of in the manager role here, I see some of the ordering and stuff that we have to do and we buy new equipment and all that stuff. And I'm like, man, this is, <laughs> this is nuts how much money this stuff is. Yeah. Um, and, and not only that, the, I feel like the fitness market is so flooded now with a million different types of gyms and, and it's hard to like build a consistent business um, in a market that's got so many different options. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard because like, and the thing is, is like, you know, what we've talked about before is like your, your, your passion and what you got into this for was coaching, but you're also a manager now, right? Like I'm the head coach at our gym, which is good. But like, I, I say all to say, like, we're also in a space where we can no longer just coach. We have to be good at getting people results, but we also have to be good at marketing and we have to be good at cleaning and we have to be good at selling and we have like w fitness has has transformed into you can't just be a good coach anymore like you have in order to make a living doing this you have to be good at several different things and i, I mean like i'm i'm not <laughs> right like i'm i know i'm a good coach and i use this example a lot of like Everybody wants to be, they, they try and be a flashlight, right? So like it puts out a little light, but it goes super wide, right? Like no danger. You can see a little bit, right? But to be a great coach, you have to be a laser, right? Like very concentrated, but you can do some serious damage with lasers, right? Yeah. And that's where it's like, if, if coaching is your passion and coaching is what you want to do, like be the world's greatest coach, learn things from people that are good at the things you're not good at, but you be the world's greatest coach, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's hard because like, again, on the manager side, as far as trying to retain really good coaches, um, it's really tough because it's hard to find the budget to be able to pay them what they need to live. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And, it, and I mean, some of that obviously is dependent on where you live and that kind of thing. But um, like cost of living down here is not not stupid high, not California, New York high. Um, but I mean, Pinehurst is a affluent area, mm -hmm. um, you know, so it's it's hard to get people like full time coaches and be able to pay them fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year, which we don't have that in the budget. Right. Right. So if you're a good coach, you're going to go somewhere where you can make more money if that's what yeah. you if coaching is your thing, right? Like we have, most of our coaches have other jobs and they do part-time stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, if coaching is your passion and that's what you want to do, like you have to go somewhere that will pay you enough to where you can live and get better at your craft. And there's just not that many places out there that can do that. There's not. And that's, that's the hard part because for people that do want to make this a living, like you said, there's either, you either work for somebody else or you work for yourself. Like, yeah. I mean, that's how it is with any business, but but if you if you're not savvy enough to make your own business, you're reliant on someone else to do it for you, right? But if they want, and this is this is the dichotomy that we're in because it's like gym owners want full-time coaching from their people, but they can only afford part-time pay. So if you can't afford to pay a coach full time, they can't give all of their work energy into coaching. 
because they have to pay their bills. So they're going to maybe put in a little coaching, but they have to go somewhere else. And that's what makes yeah. it so hard because it's like they want the, the owners want the best for their gyms. So they want the best coaches for their members. But if you can't afford to pay them, then nobody yeah. wins in that. Right. And that's where it's like, that's why coaches have to be good at so many different things nowadays. You know, like my wife is, she works for insurance or an insurance company. Like she doesn't have to do her job and then go cold call people in order to continue to make a living at the job that she's at. Like she just has to do her job, but yeah. coaches aren't in that space. And that's yeah. what's so like, that's what burns out coaches more than anything else. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's, and teaching is the same way. Like my wife's a teacher. It's the same deal. Um, especially here in North Carolina. Like, yeah. I mean, we, you don't pay them anything. We don't treat them that well, but then you want them to stay around and it's like, no, the good teachers are going to go find somewhere that they can make more money. Yeah. Um, and with less stress and less problems and less headaches. And who wouldn't? Uh, right. Yeah. You can't blame them. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, and I, like, I don't know that there's a solution, you know, like, unless you just, again, fall into a gym that has a millionaire running it. Yeah. Right. Where yeah. he doesn't need to make money. Um, and he can just run a really quality gym and hire really good coaches. Like there's not a, there's not a way out. The only, the only release that I see is like as a gym ages and doesn't necessarily have to buy as much equipment year after year after year has a little bit more money, then you can pay, pay your employees a little bit more, but yeah. you got to get there first. Right. Right. Like you got to be open for five or six or eight or 10 years before that even hits. Yeah. So it's still, you're still in the same position. Yeah. And, and so like you talking about like, you know, making it that long, the only other, you know, I feel like, well, not feel like, like for me personally, for my, like my experience, like I've had to just do side stuff, right? Like I've tried to get jobs at other places that aren't coaching nobody will hire me because I don't have any experience doing anything else. Right. right. <laughs> so like in order for me to make enough money for my wife and I, like I have to have my full-time job, but I also have to do like, I program for people from the history of where I've lived and I've had to reach out and start to kind of build my own online base yeah. because all I, all I well, want, all I want to do, but all I can do is coach people. You know, and so it's like, again, like your your attention and your energy is split because you have to. Yeah. And it's it's like I said, this is what causes coaches, great coaches to go. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm just going to go get a normal job because I don't have to worry about it. They'll pay taxes for me. I'm not going to be this contractor, yeah. you know, all of these things. And it's not because they're not a good coach. It's not because they, they don't get results. It's not because they don't love what they do it's because like they can't survive off of it yeah yeah man it's a it's a tough it's a tough field to get into um and i, I mean sport coaching is the same way uh, mm -hmm. we, were, we were talking about greg earlier i mean until he got to probably back to minnesota or maybe western michigan the second or the first second time i guess um like he wasn't making anywhere near enough money to live. Right. You know, and he's coaching college athletes. Right. Um, yeah. It's, it's interesting that teachers and coaches have this problem. Yeah. <laughs> the people who influence kids more than anyone else in the country. Yeah. Um, like have that issue. Yeah. That's, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, speaking of athletes, let's kind of dive into that side of it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of wanted to talk through some of the obstacles that you see with your athletes um, that potentially keep them from reaching their goals. And then we can talk through kind of some of the ones that I see on the youth athlete side. Um, yeah, I would yeah. imagine some of them are similar, but I would also imagine there's some differences as well. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think, yeah, and again, it's very different, right? Like some people the hardest thing to get them to do is to just eat enough. Right. And, yeah. and again, this, these are all examples, but like, you know, they have no problem training. They have no problem sleeping. 
but it's like, hey, have you eaten today? They're like, oh, I forgot. Like, how do you forget to eat? Right. <laughs> you know? But then you've got some people that are like, they have a hard time. So in in any kind of strength and conditioning program, you're going to have progressions, right? Like you're going to build on top of things that you've been doing. And sometimes that can be really boring, right? But if you want to win, boring's part of the process, right? And like I've had athletes that like they get very – it's very hard for them to continue to, to put in the effort when it's been the same progression – not the same progression, but we've been progressing the same thing week after week after week. And it's like, you know, like we're snatching three times a week. And it's like, well, that's because it's your weakest lift. Like we have to get – we have to get frequency in there, you know? And he's yeah. like, cause I, I say that cause I have a guy that's like that, but I also think that again, this is where being a coach that coaching is more than just sets and reps. When you can get someone to buy into it, then even if it's boring, but they understand why they're doing what they're doing, that's when it, they, they, they buy into it and they start doing it and it's not so much of a challenge for them. But I think, I think those are really the biggest, I'm trying to think. So yeah. So one, just being squirrely and two, just understanding that more, I guess this would be the, the other way of putting it. There's more to your training than the time you're in the gym. I yeah. guess would be the easiest way to put that, right? So like all of the lifestyle parts of coaching or of training where like they're like, yeah, I've got, you know, I worked out for four hours today. It was great. Like, cool. What would you do after that? Like, oh, I had a couple beers and I stayed up till two o'clock in the morning just scrolling. <laughs> like, oh, good. Yeah. So you didn't do any recovering today, you know? Right. And that's that's the other thing that I think is the biggest hindrance to, to people I work with is understanding that like – they get that you need to put in effort in the gym. They understand that, but understanding that like, if you really want to be the best, your life has to revolve around this. Like if yeah. you're, if you're truly trying to be a competitive functional fitnesser, then this needs to be your job. And yeah. you can't, you can't kind of like slack off here or there because there are other people that also are making this to their job and they're not slacking off here and there. So yeah. if you really, you know, want I think to... it's like that with it's like that with any sport. Exactly, right? One hundred percent. I mean, do you think that that is a result of like not knowing what it takes, or just like I don't, I'm not willing to do that. I'm not willing to make that sacrifice. Uh, yes, okay. I think it's both. <laughs> Honestly, I think yeah. I do because like like the one guy I was just talking about, like he. When, when I kind of like laid out like, hey, we just need frequency on this thing because it's your weakest lift and we just got to do it over and over and over again because eventually it won't be your weakest lift and you won't have to do it so often. He didn't know, right? And so in that case, he didn't know. So I think that there are people that don't understand that like your nutrition and your sleep and your stress levels play such a big role in your recovery and your ability to train hard day after day. But then you've got some people that aren't willing to give up the other parts of their lives to make their training what it could be, which is really a reflection of what they're their what they really value. You know what sure. I mean? Mm -hmm. I think that th those people are the ones that they want to look like the the top athletes. They want to train like the top athletes, but they're not willing to be the top athletes because they're not willing to live the lifestyle that the top athletes live so their values what they actually value don't actually line up and yeah. that's where it's that's why i say it's both because i do believe that some people just they're just ignorant of it and not in like a, a negative way they just don't know like no one's taught them and and like training isn't their their love language if you will like they've got jobs and they've got families but some people just they want the result without putting in the work yeah yeah, I mean, I think your your sport is probably the hardest, in my opinion, to prepare for because you, if you really want to be elite, like you can't have any weak links. Yeah, like there can't be one. You can hide like on a football field, basketball court, volleyball court, soccer field. Like if you have a weak link, if you're good enough, you can hide it. 
mm-hmm. right? Like in functional fitness, CrossFit world, it will it will find you at like, some point, one hundred percent. Yeah, it will find you if you really want to be elite. Um, yeah, so that's interesting. I think for me, like the the three things that I see with my kids that kind of hold them back is either is first and foremost is uh, like you said, a lack of understanding. Like I don't think again, most of my kids are younger. I have a pretty good population of like nine to 12, 13, somewhere in there. And then I have kind of the high school group and then I have some, a few college kids, college kids start to get it a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's just a lack of understanding of like what it takes to really be elite. Like what are these guys really doing? Um, And then the second one is just like a lack of opportunity, right? Like, and I don't see that as much around here. Again, we live in a fairly affluent area. Sure. Um, but you've got some stud athletes that just don't have the either they live in a place where they can't get to training or they don't have good training around them or mom and dad don't have enough money to send them there. Right. Um, so there's kind of a lack of opportunity in in that sense. And then it's the last one is just a lack of will, right? Like I know what to do. I can do it if I want to, but I'm just I, I, like you said, I'm not willing to give up the alcohol. I'm not willing to give mm-hmm. up my Instagram, YouTube time at night. I'm not willing to eat better. Um, and that's fine, but don't tell me what you're, that you value being elite then. Right. Exactly. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, like, there's, no, there's no judgment on our parts for that, Yeah, but it's like, just be honest about that. Like you, you just don't want it. Then it's yeah. fine. Yeah your decisions are always going to like determine your values, Mm -hmm. right? Like what you decide to put emphasis on that will determine and show what you truly value. Yeah. Um, And that's never more present than in high school kids. (laughs) (laughs) Never more present than in a high school kid. Um, Cause you've got, and, and they all have such good intentions, man. Like the number of high school athletes that I have that reach out to me or come in and be like, coach, I'm going to be here all summer. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to be here four days a week all summer. I'm not going to miss. And then it's first week. It's like, ah, coach, we gotta, we're going out of town this weekend. Uh, so I'm going to take off Friday. And then next weekend we have a tournament. So I'm not going to work out Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, just so I'm fresh for the tournament. And it's like, so you're, you're not really coming in at all during the summer. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So stuff like that. And, and like you said, like we only get them as coaches for their training block. Right. Like that's the only time that we really have like direct influence on what they're doing. Everything else is a personal decision. Mm -hmm. Right. Like as an athlete, you've got to make whatever decision you're going to make. Like there's a reason that there's a very small percentage of elite athletes in every sport. Yeah. You just got to decide what you want to do. Yeah. But to, to be fair. Yes. So like like when they're with us in the gym, we can make them do things. Right. Yeah. But when they're not with us, like you said, like we can't make them do things. But that also doesn't mean that our coaching stops when they leave the gym either. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, so maybe we can't make them choose to eat a certain thing, but we can help them understand why choosing a certain thing is better for them. And we can help yeah. them learn why you need seven to eight hours of sleep instead of five to six hours of sleep or whatever the case may be, you know? Mm-hmm. And then – also just being a human being like and letting them know like hey if you have questions ask right yeah. so like even if you're not at the gym now i'm not going to be on call 24 <laughs> 7 but if you're going out to eat and you don't know what to get and you send me a text message like yeah. I'm, I'm i i want to see you succeed right and i think like so many people i don't know if like they just have like crappy high school coaches or whatever like they don't think that their coaches actually want them to succeed but like as professionals and again, as human beings, like we're, we're probably your second biggest cheerleader behind you yeah. that wants you to succeed. Right. So like whatever we can do to help, we will. Yeah. And, and helping people to do that. Yeah, for sure. Um, one of the other things you touched on, that's a big one, especially for my guys is uh, like being great and falling in with falling in love with the fundamentals. Right. And being able to do those because it is boring. Right. Like, yeah, I, I tell every kid that comes in here, I'm like, listen, man, the first at minimum eight to 12 weeks of this workout plan that you're starting is not going to be enjoyable. Like, it's not going to be that much fun. Um, we're going to get really good at doing the basic, basic things. 
um, like every Monday we're going to sprint, we're going to squat, we're going to press. We're going to do it every Monday, every single Monday. We may change up the squat sometimes. We may change up how you vertically press. We may change up the type of sprint that you're doing, but that's what we're going to do every yeah. Monday. Um, and, and honestly, like the first, especially for the young ones, like the first four weeks for them is like kind of make or break. It usually yeah. takes a month, maybe two months. And they're typically crying it multiple times, <laughs> you know, and it's not over like hard stuff. It's like, oh, that bar hurts my back. Yeah. It's like, all right, like, can I have a pad? No, no, you can't have a pad. No, <laughs> but you need to be when, able to handle a bar on your back. When they do get that, like, can you, do you most often see like the, the switch flip or do you feel like it's more of like a gradual belief in what's happening? Um, it's a little of both, to be honest. Like we have some kids that kind of thrive on that. Um, and, and they just kind of like, I've had some kids that really bought in from like after that first month, they're like, I'm in. Mm-hmm. Um, and the biggest switch I think I see, and I've talked about this on previous podcasts is just like their confidence level. Okay. Right. Like how they start to communicate with me as a coach, how they start to communicate with their parents, typically with the young ones, their parents, their dad or mom or whatever's there with them. Um, so I see the change in like how they communicate with them as they start to get stronger and kind of come into a little bit of physicality, they start to gain that confidence because they know like I'm doing like they know that their friends aren't doing anything. Right. Right. So they know like, hey, I'm I'm doing more than they're doing. Um, and I try to preach it to them all the time. I'm like, listen, you guys are nine, 10, 11 years old. And you've got 100, 150, 200 workouts in already. Oh, like, that's that's insane. Yeah. You know, like I have, and again, I've talked about this kid before, but I've got a kid that is not 10 years old yet. And just the other day logged his 235th workout. Yeah. I remember he's seeing you post old. that. Right. Like he's nine years old. Um, and I'm also helping out with a high school football team who has freshmen in high school that have never been in a weight room mm-hmm. ever. And so we, I try to tell these kids all the time, like, and like, they don't see it, right? Dad potentially sees it, um, but the kids don't see it. I'm like, listen, y'all are going to go into a high school weight room having, if you stay on pace, over a thousand workouts in. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. A thousand workouts. Imagine that. Um, yeah. So as far as the fundamentals goes, like if we can get those kids to buy into the fundamentals of it and just be like, hey, this is going to hurt for a little bit. Right. Like it's you're going to be OK, though. Like, yeah, the bar's going to get lighter on your back. Your hands are going to stop hurting from pull ups eventually. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's not a big deal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, so- that plan is is tough with the young ones. Um, but I mean, it's it's necessary, too. So, yeah, well, yeah. And that's that's the hard part is like get because you can't skip that step. Right. right. Like you can't skip foundational things. You can't skip the boring stuff. Like everybody sees, I think Instagram has been such a good and hurtful tool for fitness. But the reason I say that is because you, everybody sees all of these people doing all of like the, well, for in our space, like the pre-comp and comp phase things, you know, the sexy workouts, the heavy lifts, all of that stuff, because yeah. that's what people are posting. But they don't post the air squats with bands around their knees to make sure that they're moving in a good squat pattern before they load up the barbell. You know, yeah. they don't see the, you know, the running at 70% trying to just build the foundational aerobic capacity, you know, like they don't yeah. see that stuff. And so it makes it hard to be like, look, that, yeah, that, that's the fun stuff. That's the cool stuff. But all of that is literally built on the boring stuff that you're doing right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think one of the ones that I have to fight with the high school kids is like, they want to max out. Yeah. I'm not, I not a believer in max outs. Uh, like I've, I've worked with, I don't know, a hundred plus kids at this point. Mm-hmm. At this gym. I've maxed out two of them. <laughs> right. One of them was 24 coming out of the army. had a 500 pound back squat. Nice. Yes. yes you can go one rep max your back. Right, squat. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the other one I just maxed the other day because he's going to football camp and I know he's going to have to do percentage work when he gets there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, hey, let's get you some fresh maxes. But he's worked with me for two years. We never did it. Yeah. 
Um, so like maxing stuff like <laughs> the one that I love is like all the ladder drills and cone drills and speed ladder stuff. And <laughs> I'm just like, listen, get your kid that does a speed ladder. I'm going to get my kid that squats 400 pounds, line them up together. We'll see who wins. Yeah. Right? Like I'm going to take my kid that squats 400 pounds over your kid that can do four different ladder variations. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's, but you're right. It's stuff that they see on Instagram. Um, you know, they see all these pro athletes doing it and it's, and they are doing that and it probably does help them. Right. But those guys are looking for the 0.1% right. advantage. Whereas like you're not even on the radar yet. Right. Right. Like you can barely squat 135 pounds. I don't care how fast you go through a ladder. Right. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, yeah. But so here's something while you were saying that something I thought about, like, because like you said, like we both also have crossover of like just general fitness. Like we also coach general fitness with people. Like if we can get people to understand that the foundational things are actually like foundational, right? Like everything else is built on these things. Uh, I used to work with a guy one time who said that like, if you're consistent in working out that like, essentially we're superheroes compared to the rest of the population. So like, if you're good at these bottom line things and then you can build on top of that, like you're building a life where you can go out and do almost anything physical that you want to do yeah. because you have the foundational or the foundation laid, right? Yeah. So many people that hurt going upstairs because they never learned, they never did single leg work, even if they worked out, right? Yeah. You know, that those are the type of things where it's like we we are helping people. So yes, like you train athletes, I train athletes, but even the middle ground people where they're like, I just want to be healthy. Like you are leaps and bounds above literally everybody else in your age range. If you can do these foundational things, well, that's why they're called foundational things because you mm -hmm. build off of them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, a thousand percent. I mean, I have that conversation because I mean, we'll have athletes like general fitness people that get upset or frustrated because they missed a lift or they haven't seen mm -hmm. any progression for a little while or whatever. And that's the conversation I have with them all the time. Like, listen, you just being here and doing what we're doing, you're in the top 2% of the world as far as fitness goes. Like yeah. you're doing things, like if you can snatch a barbell, like you're ahead of 95% of people in the world. Most yeah. people can't do that. So you're having that conversation with people just to like remind them like, hey, this is like you're doing some really cool stuff that is putting you in a <laughs> a higher class of fitness than most of the country, most of the world. Right. Um, and just like helping people to remember that, um, like when they get frustrated with stuff is like, man, you're you're doing things that most people can't do. Mm -hmm. But coming back to something we've talked about, like that, those conversations are just as much coaching as. All right, we're going to do five by three. I'm going to make sure you're not rounding your back on your deadlift. You know? Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. those are the things of, of connecting with human beings. That That's what coaching is. I think that's what coaching is missing. I think everybody wants to learn how to write programs and how to get people better, which is good. Like, that's fun. Like, that that's really what we got into this to do. But the way you actually make lasting changes is building trust with people and coaching them outside of just sets and reps, you know, yeah. like there's, there's so much, you can write the best programs, but if your athlete doesn't trust you, it doesn't matter. Right. Right. On the flip side, you could, if you have the trust of your athlete, like 100%, you could write the world's worst programs and they're still going to do it. Yeah. Right. And that's where, like, I think that's that's such a missed aspect of coaching because it's – I honestly think that that's harder than learning the physiology and anatomy of the human body. Yeah, for you know? sure. Yeah. And it, and I fall into that too. I've Like, I can just sit in here thinking while you were talking, like, the programming and stuff. Like, I put so much time and energy into that that I feel like sometimes I miss out on opportunities to like speak into athletes lives. Right. And, and you're right. Like that is your relationship with your athlete is going to go far past whatever you write in a program. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but yeah, and it and it's like you have to be intentional with it. And it's not something that like I'm not an over. You're much more social than I am, and so it's like for me, it's a challenge. It's more of a challenge to be able to interact with all kinds of different. It's easier with kids for for me, but with adults, especially like being able to interact and have a conversation and not just about fitness or what lift you're doing or whatever, but like actually caring about that person. Um, and I feel like I fall away from that at times. Um, just cause not cause I don't care about the person, but cause I'm so focused on writing the correct program and making sure I'm doing the right things. And it goes right. back to kind of what we were talking about earlier as a coach, like you just don't have time to do everything that you want to be able to do. Yeah. You just got to be intentional and focused with it. Yeah. Well, but at the same time though, like you're so focused on those things because you care, like you're wanting these True. people yeah. to get the results. So it's not, it's not a, you don't care thing. And yeah. it's, man, I had, I had a great point and it's gone. <laughs> I don't remember what I was going to say, but anyways, like what you were saying though, is like, that is a caring thing. And, but being able to communicate to someone about, oh, that's what I was going to say. Whenever I teach coaches how to coach, like I always refer to it as being like a bartender, right? So like bartenders serve drinks, but bartenders are also listeners. Like yeah. people come in and they come in to get a drink, but they come in and end up finding somebody to just listen to them. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, depending on the bartender, I guess, like they give advice, but they hear about more than just the drink that this person wants to drink. They get it. They, they listen about what's going on in their lives. Right. And as coaches, that's what we, that's how you build trust. And it can, I mean, it can start so small with like, yeah, I started watching this new show yesterday. And they're like, I'm watching that too. Right. And yes. it starts there, but building trust with people can go a thousand different ways or start a thousand different ways. But that's where you, you, as I, it's, it's weird because it's like you use fitness to kind of help dive into their lives, but you learn about their lives so you can actually improve their fitness or their athletic journey or whatever it is, you know? Yep. So, yeah. No, there's, there's a lot of value in that. And I've, it's one of those things that honestly have, I've gotten back to it a little bit more now jumping in to help it with a high school team again. Mm -hmm. um, like sport coaching again is, um, has been interesting. Having to run a weight room has been interesting. Like that's a whole different dynamic that I was not prepared for. Yeah. <laughs> um, cause it's so different, right? Like in, in our setting, you're working with, you know, I mean here at our place, you're working with maybe six or seven people at a time even in a big CrossFit class, you're probably working with 15, maybe at the most. Um, right. And in a weight room, you're working with 40, right. <laughs> you know, and they're all high school kids too. They don't listen in the, or yeah. anything. Um, yeah. So that's been a challenge, but I think, I think you're right. It all goes back to like building that relationship, um, like diving into their life, speaking into their life. Um, and that's something that I think all coaches can get better at for sure. Oh yeah. Um, but it goes back, I think, to just being intentional and making sure you're like you're making time for the most important thing. Yeah. Which is that relationship. Yeah. I think that's huge. Um yeah, man. Anything else you want to talk about coaching wise before we get into the fun stuff? Um how did you get into coaching? Hmm, how did I get into coaching? Um, let's see. So when I graduated we graduated 2009 in the spring. Uh, when I got home, my dad told me that there was a new head football coach at a local high school and that I should go talk to him. So I did. And he hired me because I didn't have any coaches. And the offensive coordinator at the time was the baseball coach. So he asked me if I wanted to be a baseball coach. So I said, yeah. And... I walked into the gym one day and started shooting around with the girls basketball team. And the coach walked in and said, Hey, do you want to coach basketball? And I said, sure. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's kind of where sport coaching started. And then because I lifted weights in college, I obviously knew everything about performance training. Obviously. Uh, so immediately 
you know, went to the weight room and started coaching them, knowing nothing about what I was doing. <laughs> um, yeah, so started doing that. Uh, I mean, really from there, I did that for probably four years while I was relatively single and had no kids and could coach three sports and not have any problems. Um, so did that. And then I, as far as like performance coaching, I think that kind of started probably like 2014. Okay. When I was the athletic director and girls basketball coach. Um, that's when I kind of started just training athletes, but I still didn't know what I was doing. I just did at that time I was doing CrossFit workouts. Uh-huh. I didn't know any better. Um, I was like, well, these worked for me and I've seen people like I'm fitter than I was. So it's obviously it's going to work for you, make you a better athlete. And it probably did, you know, marginally. Sure. I think that's one of the advantages of working with kids is like with, or not just kids, but people with no training age, anything you do is going to help. Everything them. works. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, but I think to that point, I'm going to go off on a tangent to that point. I think that because of that, a lot of, coaches in my position get super lazy because oh, sure. everything does work right like you can you can throw out a speed ladder and some hurdles and if they do it for six weeks they're going to be faster and better because they hadn't done anything before right and now they're doing things um but yeah so i started doing some stuff like that mostly crossfit workouts then i started to kind of specialize them a little bit um and really it was just like uh run distances would change pretty much like hey instead of running 400 because you're a basketball player we're only going to run 100 because that's how far <laughs> you run um and i just thought i was a genius you know um we started doing honestly we started doing crossfit football uh um, oh, i remember when you did that yeah so i started to do some of that stuff and i enjoyed training that way uh more than just like kind of random crossfit workouts that i pulled off a website yeah <laughs> um, so i enjoyed doing that more and i started to put my athletes through that and saw some good results there um and then when i left left that school that's when i got my crossfit level one usa performance coach okay. um personal training all that kind of stuff um yeah and then so i went to atlanta and coached at a facility down there that was enormous um and they they're huge now they have so many kids it's unbelievable really? yeah um but they just do different stuff well i don't the stuff that i would do is not what they would do and we just never really gelled but that's kind of when my i guess true performance coaching started okay um because then i started to figure out what i was doing and i had like a purpose behind it instead of just hey this is a cool looking workout. Let's try this. And yeah. if you lay on the floor when you're done, then obviously it was a good workout. <laughs> I did my job. Um, but ironically, the guy that created CrossFit football is uh, the guy that runs Power Athlete now, which is kind of what I base all of my training on for all of my kids, mm -hmm. which is kind of cool. So it's kind of come full circle there. But, but I've been here for three, right at three years now. Really? I, think. Mm -hmm. I thought you've been there for longer. I mean, I started like part-time coaching here, but I think I've been like full, full-time here for probably two and a half. Really? And then so I've been like, years ago, like a year and a half. I would have been, been in Ohio three years ago. I feel like you were there when I was still in North Carolina. Uh, we moved back here in uh, 19. Yeah, so I was still in North Carolina in 19. Yeah, but I was it. I didn't come here until 20, I think. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I guess that checks out. Yeah, but it's been it's been interesting, man. I mean the the performance side of things is so it's so unique, um, just with the amount of different sports and stuff that you work with. But it's like <laughs> I tell all our athletes, I'm like, listen, you're all pretty much gonna do the same thing. Yeah, like I don't believe in sport specific training. Like we may throw some accessory work in there, but it's much more athlete specific than sport specific. Right. Um, right. Like, I mean, you're going to squat, you're going to press, right. you're going to do rotational stuff. You're going to deadlift. Like you're going to do some powerful things. Mm -hmm. You're going to jump. You're, like you're going to sprint every sport. You got to be able to do those things. Yeah. Um, so it's been, it's been fun. It's kind of my niche now. Uh, I don't think I would ever want to be like a, like a school strength coach. 
Um, no. I don't know. Maybe the bigger schools are different because you can get them in groups and stuff like colleges and stuff. You can get them into smaller groups and actually work on some things. Um, but it's just hard because when you're working with six or seven people, you can squeeze in a lot more like little minute things. Yeah. But with, with a big group, you just don't have time. Like you just have to get them in and out. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I love where I'm at. I'm certainly very blessed to be here and have the opportunities that I've been able to have here. And um, yeah, trying to grow it, man. Trying to make it bigger. That's I like goal. it. All right. We only, we only got a few minutes left. Let's jump into these uh, two, probably the most important questions that have been asked on this podcast. Naturally. First and foremost, your top three hype songs when you need to hit a big lift. All right. So one, Breathe Into Me by Red. Mm. Oldie but a goodie. Two, For the Glory by All Good Things. I think it is, it's the song that plays on the opening scene of Six Underground. Have you seen that movie with Ryan Reynolds? I have seen Six Underground, but I can't recall the song but so it's a it's called it. for the glory opening scene like the the whole big car chase thing yeah, yeah great song okay and then last one would be dead man by wolves at the gate it's a little bit more screaming than most people like but if i'm if i'm trying to do something heavy i'm cool with some screaming yeah so i can't right. scream yours oh my three my i'm gonna I'm going to start with the least embarrassing and work to the most embarrassing. <laughs> okay. uh, I think my number one, I, I had to make a tie between uh, Eminem, Till I Collapse, and Lose Yourself. Okay, those are solid. Those two, those two songs, I mean, ever since I heard them the first time, like in 8 Mile, I was like, this is that's awesome. <laughs> um, so those always kind of get I, – I honestly, I like Lose Yourself a little bit better, like pre-workout. Okay. Like get your mind right, like kind of lock into what you're doing. And then for the actual lift, probably till I collapse. Okay. Um, my second one is <laughs> is still Dre by Dr. Dre. <laughs> I, uh, that's a good song though. Like that's a very really good workout song. It's a great song. I can I've learned how to play part of the piano part. Oh nice. Because uh, Lila like, takes piano lessons. Yeah. So I'll like she'll be playing. I'll be like, get off, I gotta practice. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I'll kick her off and I'll play still Dre. <laughs> You need to teach her how to play that. I know it's it's she's her fingers don't really work like mine, and they're not her hands aren't like big enough to hit what she needs to hit. <laughs> um, yeah, so I I know how to play like still Dre, and then I can play like Let It Go from Frozen. Those oh, are the two okay. that I can play. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean they're related. <laughs> um, the last one is absolutely the most embarrassing one for sure. Um, the only reason I'm putting this on there is because when I hit my big squat a few weeks ago, this was playing okay. and ever since then it's been like a song. The song is wide awake by Katy Perry. My dude, no shame. <laughs> I, hate Katy Perry. I hate everything else that she sings, but that song for some reason, it, it got me going and I squatted, squatted 400, never squatted 400 before. All right. So two things on that one. Katy Perry's got some catchy tunes. She is for sure a guilty pleasure. Yeah. Number two, it's funny that you say that because anytime I hear Cindy Lauper time after time, I'm brought back to a time that I PR'd my back squat there you because go. that song was on. Yeah. I'm sorry. Sometimes you just need some soft music <laughs> to remind you that time after time, she'll be there. That's right. That's right. I like it. I mean, it's uh, like said, no it's shame definitely... those were solid songs, dude. No, there's a little shame in it. There is. <laughs> okay. I'm not really excited about it, but uh, <laughs> hey, if if I can if I can hit a 400 pound squat, I will listen to it every time. Well, yeah, absolutely. Um. All right. Top three funniest movies of all time. Both of us are movie guys. This should be a good conversation. Funniest movies. Funniest movies. Top three. Oh man. Okay. So one one will always just friends. That is will always be one of my favorite. Ryan Reynolds at his peak performance, cinematic yeah. masterpiece. Yeah. Number two, and this might just be because Bray and I just watched it a couple days ago, but liar liar. 
That was in my, I think that's in my top five, but I didn't put it in my top three. Yeah. And then, oh man, number three, funniest movie. I don't know. It's, it's, it, again, it goes back to like what mood I'm in. So there's a movie. I don't think, I don't think you ever watched it with me, but it's called Grind. And it's about a bunch of high schoolers who skateboard. Yeah. Hilarious. I always <laughs> find it funny. Bree sometimes finds it funny. Yeah. But, and then I also like, um, uh, when nature calls, Yeah, I mean, basically any movie that like, just is like spits out one liners. Oh yeah. I, it's a Christmas movie, but Christmas vacation. Yeah. Like every part of that movie is funny. Yeah. So there's, there's basically my top five. I like that. I'll give you my top five. Cause I cheated and make five too. Okay. Uh, five for me. I'll go five to one. Five okay. for me was Ace Ventura when nature calls. Solid. Um, same thing. One liners. Four was liar liar. Nice. Um, obviously, big Jim Carrey fan. And then for my top three, my requirements for my top three were, I have to laugh out loud every time I watch them. Okay. That's multiple solid. times. Um, so number three, I had Wedding Crashers. Okay. Um. Yeah, I just there's the same thing. There's so many one-liners in there that are just <laughs> hilarious, um, and we watched that so many times in our apartment <laughs> in college with Greg and Justin. Um, that and we would just spit those out. Yeah. Um, number two, outside of just like a, a hundred f bombs in it, Bad uh -huh. Boys Two. Oh, great movie! Absolutely, we watched part of it the other day. Uh, I tried to I tried to get Nicole to watch it. I don't remember. I remember how it came up, but I was talking about the scene where uh, Marcus is, gets the ecstasy pill, and he goes over to his captain's house. Um, oh, I remember. She was like, Nicole was asking, was talking to Blakely about something, and she was like, Blakely, look at your face. And I was like, How's she gonna look at her face? And I thought about that scene, and I had to like, That's I had to so break it up funny. and ignore. Call the wife. Tell her like, I'm on I was like, the way. <laughs> Uh, I thought about that. And, um, and then number one, uh, same as yours, obviously, just friends. Um, that's our movie. It's always been our movie ever since we saw it the first time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, same thing. Just so many one-liners that are funny at any time. Doesn't matter. Uh, I feel like for Ace Ventura, at time, like there are parts of it that are laugh out loud funny, but the more like tired and like goofy I feel, the uh -huh. funnier that becomes. I those, no, those that's true. For me are always funny. Because like I would try and get get you to watch that in college, and you were yeah. like, sometimes you'd be down for it, and sometimes you wouldn't. Yeah. And it was like the the more tired you were, the more the better chance I had. Yeah. Like, all right. Yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. But those those five, man, those are those are quality movies. That's a solid night of movie watching. Yeah, those for sure. Five. Those are good. Yeah, and then yeah, it does. It definitely depends on the mood that you're in as to how funny they are. Mm -hmm. But anything with Jim Carrey for the most part. Vince Vaughn, for the most part, anything he does is funny. Brian yeah. Reynolds, any of those guys. Um, Will Smith probably is right up there, too, with his funny stuff. Yeah? How do you feel about Wild Wild West? Not my favorite. Yeah, because it was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good reason. But he's even funny, like, in serious movies. Like, he has one-liners in serious movies that are funny. Like what? Uh, like he'll say stuff in iRobot, like sarcastic things in iRobot or okay. I am legend. He says he has some sarcastic comments and stuff that are just, I'm obviously a sarcastic person. So yeah. that kind of yeah. hits with me. Yeah. Um, to, what was the last movie he was in? We just watched spies in disguise. He's in that spies in disguise. It's on Disney. Yeah. It's an animated movie. Oh, okay. That's like, he's like a, he's like a James Bond type dude. It's pretty good. Okay. He turns into a pigeon, which is pretty funny. Oh, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm pretty That's confident all I, I fell asleep during that one. Yeah, I watch Disney movies. That's all I watch now. Uh, I mean, you've got three kids. It makes sense. It took me... I try, I watched um, uh, American Sniper the other uh -huh. day because for 4th of July, I was feeling patriotic. Yeah. Watching American Sniper. It took me four days. Because <laughs> there's like little periods. It's like, all right, <laughs> girls are going to go take a bath. I'm going to watch 20 minutes of American Sniper. Yeah. Next day, girls went to sleep early. Cool. I'm going to put on American Cyber. It takes me four days That's to so watch funny. a regular length movie. Yeah. Other than that, it's all Disney. 
Golly, what a good movie, though. That's a great movie. It is a great movie. All right, which yeah. one do you like better? Do you like American Sniper better, or do you like Lone Survivor better? Uh, I think I like Lone Survivor better only because I I read the book. Okay. And by read, I mean I listened to the book on Audible. That counts. Yeah. Um, and I heard, like, it's, it's the same story, obviously, but it goes into, like, a lot more detail in the book. Mm -hmm. um, there's stuff that he could just is not like interesting for a movie, but it's very interesting to understand like the backstory and like kind of what his mindset was throughout the whole thing and how he was feeling and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, so it was kind of interesting to watch it after reading that. Um, the, the other one I really like is 13 hours. Oh, you watched that one? I watched that one a couple weeks ago. Um, what was it? Whatever the holiday Memorial day. I watched it on Memorial day. Yeah. That one's a good one. Yeah. But, yeah, man. Uh, well, cool. Well, I appreciate you uh, coming on the podcast, man. We'll do yeah. it again. On, we'll talk about some maybe some training techniques and that kind of stuff That'd be um, cool, at some point. But, but I appreciate your time, and we'll, uh, we'll do it again soon, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me, homie. Yes, sir. Thanks for listening to the Unlocking Athletes podcast. If you liked what you heard, give us a follow, comment, and review. If you are or know of an athlete that truly has the desire to maximize their potential, please follow at EAX underscore Athlete Academy and send us a message. We do in-person and remote training for athletes in any sport and would love an opportunity to be a part of your journey. Until next time, be an example you want others to follow, be intentionally grateful every single day, and be the hardest worker in the room. Let's have a day.